Well, welcome to season two. Pastor CJ and I are pumped for another season of Raw Conversation, and we are starting this season discussing what biblical manhood is on an all-new season of C28. I'm pretty pumped today. We are starting off, and we actually have guests with us. Yeah, it's a special treat, <laughs> mostly for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess we have Callie and Cherry. Uh, did you uh, ladies want to take a moment and just introduce yourself briefly? Sure. I'm Cherry, and um, I've been a member of Cornerstone, or I should say I've been coming to Cornerstone for about six years, and uh, I'm married to a wonderful man named Tom. Uh, we had four children. Um, our oldest son passed away about six years ago, and so um, I've been in Amador County for about 56 years, and um, I love the Lord. Nice. <laughs> and I'm Callie. I um, am from Texas originally, grew up in the Bible Belt, and I've been a Christian for a long time since I was little, and moved out to California to be a flight attendant, and met my husband, got married after a year, and had two babies in two years, so. That's quick. <laughs> <a new> mom. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, we know, we kind of all met uh, at Cornerstone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yes. And Callie's husband, Jack's been on the podcast before. Oh, that is yes. true. Yeah. Don't expect anything like that from me. He's, he's the speaker. <laughs> I don't know. We've seen him at announcements. That's true. <laughs> well, very cool. We uh, the the discussion uh, to today on this episode is kind of around biblical manhood. And spoiler alert for next one, next uh, episode is biblical womanhood. And these tend to come from listeners that are just asking questions and. So we want to we want to be able to answer those, and so uh, we had asked these two ladies to join us, and so there's uh, two 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 guys and two ladies uh, um, having this discussion, and we're gonna try to rope them in for uh, next episode too. I don't know if they'll be up for it, <laughs> but this is the first they're hearing of it. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah, we asked them some questions and things like that, and uh, and like you know, like last season, we intentionally you know don't compare notes. We don't rehearse. We just come. We want this conversation to be kind of raw, you know, and, and natural and just kind of off the cuff. And so here we are. And so CJ, did you want to, you have any way that you thought would be cool to start this convo off with? Yeah. I mean, what we've been doing is going around and asking people, um, in leading up to this episode, like how would you define biblical manhood? Like when someone asks you, like, what, what is that? If you could give a sentence or two, uh, what would that be? And what we've been doing is going up to people um, intentionally not giving them an opportunity to prepare, right? We Just love that. Shooting from the hip. <laughs> and wouldn't you say it's been kind of surprising, like the difficulty that kind of is around that? Yeah. And, and after some time, I think for good reason. Yeah. I mean, I think we've had the advantage of knowing that we're going to talk about this, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if like six months ago, um, if someone had walked up to me on the street and asked that question, if I would have had a decent answer or not. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe we could start there. Like just talking about like what it what it is or what it should be. Something like that. Yeah. What do you what do you think? Well, why don't we do this? I got some definitions from Webster just to help us. Webster. 
Okay. Well, I don't know if it's actually what it's Google dictionary. Yeah. Okay. So whatever that is, um, I guess what I what I can start with these two first. I just kind of, I, and I let me let me start back a little bit further. We noticed that definitions are difficult. Yeah. And so if even if we just start off with something that at least our culture, like whether we like it or not, has agreed upon. Sure. And then kind of kind of go from there. And so uh, manhood is defined as the state or period of being a man rather than a child. Uh, and um, I think is the third definition underneath manhood was qualities traditionally associated with men. And then it gives examples such as courage, strength, and sexual potency. And uh, I also Googled masculinity because that tends to be um, almost synonymous in the conversations, but qualities or or attributes regarded as characteristic of men. And um, those, I think, what I've noticed tend to be the the socially constructed, right? The What, what masculinity is, is kind of defined by our culture. But, so those are two kind of definitions of, of manhood and masculinity. And um, so if, if you ladies are up for it, we did send, we sent uh, some questions and we'll work through them, five different <laughs> questions. Um, we'll see if we have time for them. Uh, the first one was, what are three words you would use to describe biblical manhood? I said selfless, bold, and loving. That's good. I couldn't help start off without saying Christ-like, um, strong um, leader. Yeah. Good, good words. Those are solid. Those are. Yeah, those are really solid. And I, and if you're okay with this, CJ, what I thought would be kind of neat is as we get those six words, now I'll take a moment and contrast it. I can't remember if this is a question I sent you guys or not, uh, but did I, t- did I ask you guys about secular manhood? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now let's contrast it, right, and spend some time around what sec- what we, we would consider secular manhood is. Like what our, what our world or our culture has defined as manhood and masculinity and then kind of end with more the biblical approach and so we got those six words now let's uh take a moment and, and go over to what what is the what do we see in our culture as praised and accepted as manhood and masculinity and all those things what do you guys think um well being from texas i think of john wayne and you know just that like tough exterior, um, not loving, not emotionally available, Mm. just hard, um, very egotistical, sexually promiscuous. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of when I think of, uh, secular masculinity, sadly. Yeah. 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 What about you, Cherry? Um, I guess similar thoughts. Um, I would say successful, you know, driven, um, oh, I guess an outer, excuse me, an outer appearance, um, just concerned with, uh, looks, um, yeah, prideful would Mm. be another. I think you guys are hitting that out of the park. What do you you got, (laughs) CJ? That's super solid. Um, so when I think of uh, how the culture or world or society, however you want to put it, um, thinks about mas- masculinity, I think 
I don't know. I think we might be at like a weird transition point in culture because I think what you guys are hitting is generally what it would be considered. And, but I don't, I, I see these um, like glimpses of like maybe something on the horizon looking a little bit different, like moving away from those things where like the John Wayne type guy is like, he's like the toxic masculinity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now the pendulum is kind of swinging the other direction. I think I grew up with that though. Like Mm -hmm. definitely the dad that was like the John Wayne figure kind of guy. And uh, like, so like even today, uh, we're getting ready to take the uh, youth group to winter camp tomorrow. And so I ran out of time and I went and had my oil changed at this place where you like sit in your car and have oil change. And I felt completely humiliated while I was sitting in my car. I'm like, I, I should be doing this, right? Like, like it's weird to have someone my own age, another man, like changing the oil in my truck, right? Like, I don't know, it's just, I was thinking about this episode while that was happening. Like, man, this has nothing to do with you know, biblical manhood that I'm having someone else change the oil in my truck. But I still felt this like weird pressure that I think was kind of um, impressed upon me growing up that this is something that men do. Like they change their own oil, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't want to jump ahead, but I think one of the things we run into then is this uh, fallacy then that you're not really a man if you're not changing your own oil. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, uh, that can be, a pretty evil slippery slope to run into and create a lot of confusion. So, yeah, I mean, in the moment I felt so much pressure, like he's like, Hey, pop the hood. And like, I've had this truck for like five years. I forgot where the hood latch was. Like I've done this a thousand times myself. And the second, like some other man's asking me to pop the hood to change the oil. I'm like, I don't even know where it is. Like, it was just the weird pressure that comes along with some of that stuff was, was very odd. Uh, and maybe I was more aware of it and thinking about it because we were going to have this conversation, but uh, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I'm gonna admit that the first set of these I stole from Vody Bacham, but uh, that's a he, good person to steal steal from. Yeah, so he was he was talking about the secular, um, the acceptable secular approach to what being a man is, and uh, he said it comes down to the three Bs. Um, he said the ball field, the bedroom, and the billfold, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. and he's and he explained that um, in general the people you're like, wow, like that's a manly man there or, or man, I want to aspire to be that man or that's the definition of being a man um, would be the ball field, how physically fit and, um, and successful you are and athletic and, and our culture kind of praises that. Um, and then how good you are in the bedroom and then how fat your billfold is, you know, how much money you got and, and things like that. And, and to be honest, like, I was like, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe we don't run in quite those circles too often, but I think that uh, just culturally stepping back, I mean, we almost worship that, it seems like. Um, then um, I was kind of thinking more and I was like, what are other, you know, approaches? And they all did have alliteration. I like, can't like beat the pastor out of me, I guess, but uh, one, <laughs> prepare for a three point sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think one of them was just the idea of, of power, um, from position or person. So, um, the position of power, like, oh man, he, he's really, uh, you know, he has this position in a company or politically, or even, uh, he's, he's this position in, um, the ball field or whatever, you know, like he plays the sport or something like that. And then if you don't have the power in position, then you have to have it in your person. And that would be the physically fit, you know, and just like this ripped guy. I mean, he, he has, you know, no future, but he's in the gym every single day and there's still something you see that guy, you're like, well, that is a manly guy, you know? 
And uh, then the last one, I think maybe even we could go to, um, you could build a man upon success. Like uh, culture would say success and popularity or possession. So popularity would be uh, known by all and liked by all. And so there's something about that where other men admire like, man, like everybody knows that guy. And, and for whatever reasons, and I think even girls uh, can be attracted to that. And if it's not popularity, it's possession. So if you aren't known by all, you can have it all and you can buy it all. And, uh, and that's, you know, men and women alike look at men like that. and are like, wow, like that, that guy's got it down. Like I want to be like that someday. Um, and then also it seems like women are attracted to that also. So anyways, the three B's power and success seem to be kind of things that my mind was rolling around as far as, uh, culture. What about, uh, Cherry and Callie? Yeah. I just think when it brings up for me is like the difference between the two. Am I jumping ahead here? No, go ahead. Okay. I just, it makes me really sad to think about like the pressure that men feel, um, to aspire to that cultural masculinity that is toxic. But um, I think the main difference between the two is um, like what motivates it, what's behind it. Mm. And I just think for the society, it's um, motivated by fear. I think fear of man specifically, because you just feel this pressure. Like CJ was saying, he, Felt like he couldn't remember how to pop the hood because this guy was watching him. I'm, I'm glad we circled back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it makes me think of yeah. is just like you don't want to be, you don't want to appear weak to your fellow men. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to appear um, vulnerable, mm-hmm. definitely. It goes back to the John Wayne guy, right? Yeah. Like, kind of emotionally unavailable. We don't have feelings, you yeah. know. And yeah. Like we're rough and tough and say what you want. I'm going to go chop some wood. Yeah. Let yeah. me prove myself to you yeah. by these silly tasks. But, and I think for biblical manhood I think it's a fear of God and just um because to be a biblical man it is like selflessness which is kind of the opposite of what society tells us manhood is which is like being very selfish and running around doing what you want treating people the way you want um yeah I just think God has so much more for men Mm. I think if they allow themselves to be vulnerable and compassionate and these traits that typically are assigned to women and seen as weak, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what I think is interesting is, so in this definition of, uh, manhood, it uses in, in what we would use as a, as a dictionary. Like if you want to just go find a technical, definition of what it is you see courage strength and sexual potency and so Mm -hmm. even just the courage and strength I'm not even I think that and I'm going to start mixing two subjects together a little bit but I think there are like design differences because you do see you know like uh so I I did some research and you know you look for the strongest person in the United States strongest person in the world right and as far as muscle it, it is men and you go in, I think we would see military as, you know, like a courageous position. And so I just was curious, like what percentage is men and women? And you do see, um, like men as the majority, uh, in, in the military. So in the United States, 17% of the military, um, are women 
And, um, you know, all the way down, like in Turkey, it's 0.3%, India, 0.7%, Poland, 7%, the UK is 11%, Germany's 12%, France is 16%, the US is at 17%, and, the, and Hungary has 20% women. And so, I mean, and I don't think we really have, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that, you know, those percentages. And maybe even, and I'm sure we get flack for this, but like I have an expectation for those percentages probably. And so while there are maybe some differences, I believe, because I believe God created us and designed us. And so there are these differences, but I think where we run into a problem is when we start saying you're not a man, if you're, if you're not like this, Mm -hmm. and unless there's, unless the Bible, the designer says that. So if, and I'll give an example. So just to get kind of, you know, more practical rubber meets the road. Um, I did youth ministry for, I don't know, like 10, 12 years, something like that. And there were several times where kids were literally struggling with their um, sexual identity. Um, I think, I think more uh, precisely be gender identity. And, and when I would have these conversations, I mean, it really came down to some really like fundamental goof ups in culture. And I think that, so an example would be, we had this uh, kid who, you know, he told me, he's like, I actually, I just like to dance and twirl. He's like, <laughs> I, I don't know any other guys that are like that. And, and all my, you know, all the people around me, like literally say you're gay. And he's just started believing like, maybe I am if, if essentially in his world, everybody's telling him, uh, you're doing not man things or you're gay. Uh, he just started believing, like, uh, I don't fit into the mold of being a man because uh, he also wanted to take singing lessons, and he was kind of given flack for that. And um, But he was attracted to, to girls. Uh, he, was, he had the right chromosomes for uh, being a man, and he just kind of culture, culture pressed him into this box because um, for some reason we've at some point have been told that, like, if a, if a man wants to dance, you're not manly. And I think that's where we've gone astray because that's not the biblical definition of what manliness is. I think men, men can be manly men and do ballet. Man can be manly men and dance. Man can be manly men and do singing lessons. And man can be manly men and like to twirl um, because I don't think those are the definitions. And so that's me kind of drilling down a little bit and kind of, you know, maybe peeling back something that we can like discuss more if there's anything Mm -hmm. Well, I think, so I think a little bit goes, or maybe a lot, goes back to like what Kelly was saying about uh, motives, or like why are we doing the things that we're doing? And maybe that plays into whether they're like masculine, right? Or part of manhood or not. Because um, like the Bible is really clear. Like I, ha- I have it written down here that, that like to not care for your family is evil. Like you're worse than an unbeliever to not provide for the members of your family. It doesn't say how one is to go about doing that. Right. And so if you are if you learn how to change oil and chop wood and do home repairs uh, so that you can provide for and care for your family, then that's masculine to do that. Right. But if you are a dance instructor and you make money to provide for your family, that's masculine because you're Mm -hmm. providing for your family. Yeah. Right. So it kind of boils down to that root of like, what is the motive behind what you're doing? I think a guy um, that all he wants to do is like tinker on his car all week long and doesn't make any mm. money and doesn't provide for his family. That's not masculine. Ignores his right? wife right. and ignores his right. kids. And yeah, exactly. He's yeah. a bad husband, a bad father. He doesn't provide. I mean, the Bible says he's worse than an unbeliever. And at the same time, if someone ditches their family so that they can go, you know, dance around the world and not provide for them, that's mm. not masculine. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of getting down to these motives 
of why we're doing the things that we're doing, not so much like what they are particularly. And understanding, I think, <clears throat> the word strong, how we view that word, you mm -hmm. know, and so it can be taken as, you know, more physically, physical strength when strong represents many other areas, you know, um, emotionally and um, like emotionally protecting or spiritually protecting your family and providing for those areas um, doesn't mean you have to have this physical strong physique, you mm -hmm. know. Um, it is that strong, that strength of your relationship with Christ or um, for me in my thinking of manhood, it is what represents strong to me is being in that image of what we've been created for, um, that God image and being like Christ and following that, that is strength. Mm. It takes a strong, disciplined person, someone who desires to, to follow the Lord and, and to carry out what, how he was designed and how we are all designed and uh, created and carrying out that strength. Yeah. Amen. That is so good. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Kelly? I just, I'm sitting over here, like, and it might just be like my postpartum brain, <laughs> but for me, it's like, so a little bit of background. I was one of those kids that I think today I would be labeled transgender. I really do. Like I would only respond if people called me Jake, which is not my name, clearly. <laughs> I demanded to be called Jake. I only wore boys' clothes. All my friends were boys. I liked typical masculine activities. Um, and it was confirmed when I was 14 that I literally have more androgen than most, which is the male hormone, than most females should. So it's like, okay, so God made me this way, but, and I see how... It just, for me, it sounds like men struggle in society to not appear um, like feminine. But I feel like for females that are more masculine have a hard time in the church. Like, mm. I feel like we're more celebrated in society when you're like strong and masculine. But in the church, you are told we're, we're supposed to submit. So it's like this like contrast for me. And I, it might not be the case, but that's just how it seems to me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you guys brought up that word strength because in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, it says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith and act like men, comma, be strong. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I followed that word around to the other passages, that same word strong was used. And in Luke chapter one, it's strong in the spirit. In Luke chapter two, it, become, it means become strong, strengthened in wisdom. And then Ephesians 3, it's a prayer, and it says this, um, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that perceives surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so that word strong, you know, doesn't have, doesn't mean 
muscular in any of the senses, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then verse 14, so verse 13 says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and act like men and be strong. And verse 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, like, that's what that's one of the things that's not celebrated as men, as men in our culture. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I believe is different. Um, nowhere, like, I literally couldn't think of a time where I thought that loving, caring, sacrificial men are celebrated by our general culture, maybe subgroups, but that in our culture, that's not celebrated. Uh, Those are men that nobody aspires to be. Nobody reports about them. Nobody's talking great about them. And I believe that scripture is highlighting these types of men. And, uh, and so there's this gap that we, that as I've looked in this gets greater and greater, greater between what a biblical man looks like and, and a secular man looks like. In fact, we have an interview, if you guys are up for it. Um, I asked somebody, and he kind of brings up um, the difference between the two also. So this is an interview, a short little one to two minute clip of an interview um, of one of the guys that goes to our church that I admire quite a bit and his perceptions on some of these questions we've been asking. So listen to this. How would you define biblical manhood like what does a biblical man look like (sighs) the first thing that comes to mind i guess is uh one who's sacrificial for his wife and kids um and giving up what he wants for their success or their happiness and their spirituality like to lead them to Jesus. That's good. You're <laughs> saying that a marker of a biblical man is sacrifice. I think so. Um, what would you say, is, from your um, observations, is the biggest blind spot in biblical manhood? In being hmm. a man is defined in scripture. What is the biggest blind spot you see Christian men have? I mean, I don't think it applies to just men, but ego, I think, is a is a blind spot. Like, people don't realize they're not very humble a lot of the time. And I think that's one of the key um, traits of being godly in general, not just being a godly man, but it's hard to stay humble, I feel like. And I've experienced that. Okay, last question. Okay. As you compare and contrast biblical manhood and secular manhood, right? <laughs> what do you see as the biggest difference? Oh, man. I mean, secular manhood is, you know, how, 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 how much can I lift? How much, what's the size of my truck? How many uh, notches in my belt, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. can I collect over my lifetime? Um, how tough can I be? Um, but really I think the, the, the contrast to that is a biblical man probably wouldn't look as manly to secular men, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Um, the pursuits are different. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's the pursuit of a biblical man? Well, Jesus, right. Um, you don't have to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know goes back to the first question, right? Sacrificing what your desires are. 
building up wives, I don't feel like is as popular in secular society as it should be or is in uh, for Christian men. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes Perfect. sense. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <clears throat> there's that, that interview. What, what are your thoughts? I saw, uh, I saw the ladies nodding at one point when it says talking about like men building up women. They're like, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you, what do you ladies think about the interview? I just kind of made me think about, you know, what <clears throat> I was talking about earlier about strength and in that, um, you know, to the world strength, you know, um, is, definitely an outer image and you know for biblical men manhood it is more of a concern of the inner strength and uh, um, I have more of a appreciation for um, men than as I've gotten older and and just the responsibility and the pressure and um I guess accountability that they have to the Lord for um, for their wives or for the women in their lives and um, the responsibility of their children and um, how important their role is in shaping and developing and um, that's a lot of pressure and stress and um, so um, just the importance of having that walk with the Lord and having um, the example of Christ to be their image uh, and to be built up in that image. And um, just the whole, um, I guess I just didn't ever really think about what it was to be a man because I'm a woman and uh, you know we have our own thoughts our own agendas our own stresses and failures and thoughts and um but to be able to place yourself um and just be able to take that time to think about um manhood and you know what it means to to be a man and the pressure and the expectations and the fears and the failures that they face yeah this brings you know me to a place of (laughs) being humble and having great compassion for them and you know yeah you're getting a little teared up over that oh yeah that's normal for me (laughs) that's what we like she cares about i know (laughs) yeah what were you gonna say um yeah it just brings up this thought of like building up your wives are taking care of your family like I feel like for me in my background it's more of um being able to uh build a house or like work with your hands that's that's what it means like to take care of your family like you're giving them money and you're buying them things and you're building them things but I think when I think of you know Jack and what a blessing he is how he builds me up he prays for me he you know prays over me he um ask God to intervene. He, um, yeah, it's just completely different. Like Mm -hmm. I always laugh and he always tells the story too. My dad gave him a hard time because he didn't own a hammer when he first Mm -hmm. married me. Oh yeah. He's got a hammer now. I remember that story. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, but it's just completely different. Like he was taking care of me in a spiritual sense, which mm. is way more important. I'd live in a cardboard box and wouldn't care if I'm taken care of and he's leading me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that's what I heard when I heard that interview. That's yeah. what it brought up for me. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because and I want to try to make a, a transition here because one thing that you can tell me if you guys noticed this as you guys were thinking about this and um, and looking into this topic in general, there's a lot of things described um, that as we look and like, what does biblical manhood look like? We start making these lists. And if you go and you start looking at what biblical womanhood would look like, you almost see identical lists mm-hmm. often. And so then finding like, what is the difference then? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I guess I'll just start it there. Like, what are you guys' thoughts on that as you start seeing these characteristics of biblical manhood are also in biblical womanhood? And although we all agree, okay, there are some differences, then we got to get down to kind of what those differences are to really highlight the uniqueness then of being a biblical man. Yeah, like a contrast between the womanhood and the manhood, right? Like highlighting that. You guys have any examples of those? Like a quick one that comes to mind, a contrast between... Biblical manhood. And well, I'll throw an idea too. I mean, I think that when we start looking at these characteristics, I think what we're seeing is that like God's creation, us as humans are supposed to act a certain way mm-hmm. and have certain characteristics and qualities that reflect who he is because we are made in the image of him. And so then one of the examples I came to as I'm reading through scripture and thinking about uh, the word is, is okay, there's, there are things that seem to be a little different as far as even maybe priority of husbands and wives. And so there is a difference there. Um, even you go back into the garden, you see a little bit of a difference there. And so what are those things then being highlighted? And I think that can lead us in the right direction. What are, what are your, what are you ladies thoughts on that? I just think of like, it was funny but that you asked this because literally when I was thinking about the three words that describe biblical manhood, I was thinking they'd be the same for like biblical womanhood. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit worried. I was like, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the shocking part. Yeah. That, because I we did a couple other interviews and some of them turned out to be really long. And the reason they turned out to be long is because like we don't prepare people, right? We like one of the guys, his name is Drew. He lives up in Vancouver, Washington. I interviewed him and I told him like, hey, I got a question for you, but I'm not gonna tell you what it is until you agree to be recorded. He's like, all right, so we do this and we spent a lot of time talking and it kind of concluded with, you know, finding, getting down to that nitty gritty of like, what is the uniqueness of man? Um, We could find those things, but as far as making it articulable in a short interview, we just both kind of agree like we would need a little bit more time to work that out because there is so much overlap there. And I think it goes back to, well, we have the same creator and and man or woman is not favored. So I think, I think part of it is, um, there's a lot of overlap, but that doesn't mean that there's not distinction, mm. right? Um, and I think that distinction doesn't necessarily come in different characteristics or or things like that, but in emphasis, right? So I think when, in biblical manhood, there's more of an emphasis on the sacrificial, right? Or uh, in biblical manhood, there's an emphasis on responsibility for the family. Not that women don't have responsibility in the family and not that women aren't called to be sacrificial, like every Christian is, right? But there's like these emphasis that I think are greater in some areas than others. And I think women have emphasis in some areas. So let's get down to some things. In Ephesians, it talks about, um, and again, this is one of those things where there's emphasis, but not necessarily um, complete uniqueness. Um, 
husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, what, what I see is like a, a tremendous statement of sacrifice. And then, so we, let's compare this to culture. It, when, when, you know, some couple that is just deciding to get married, uh, is one of the things that women are looking for a sacrificial man and, and a sacrificial man and are men who are preparing themselves then to go into marriage. Are they like one of the, one of the markers I need to have is be a sacrificial yeah. person. I can't wait to deny myself. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to long suffer for my wife. Like, <laughs> we just, that, that's not there, but it starts out there. And then we'll go down to verse 28 um, because it, it, it explains uh, the same way that Christ loved the church. Well, Christ laid his life down for the church. So if, if you want to be a godly man, a biblical man, one of the first things that, that you should be thinking of maybe is not only submitting to the Lord and placing your faith in Christ for the remission of your sins because you cannot earn salvation. You need Christ. You are helpless. It's not the thing where I do it myself. Like you need Christ. Then I believe as husbands we look at um, being willing to lay down everything up to my life, which is everything, for the sake of of my wife and in verse 28 after it describes what Jesus did to the church did for the church in verse 28 says in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one has ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife here's another thing Godly men hold fast to their wife. They're mm-hmm. not. They don't bail. And they're men when they mm-hmm. find a wife. Yeah. They're not, not talking about boys getting married. Yeah. And and, the, and to prove our point about like there is emphasis, but not necessarily complete uniqueness, is that obviously women aren't supposed to like not cling to their husbands, right? <laughs> yeah. But and I, and one thing that I've seen, and I've and I haven't fleshed this out completely, but that maybe some of the pressures and the emphasis is pushed upon us because of inherent weakness maybe we do maybe men typically or tend to have this desire to bail and move on where women are maybe a little bit more um what's the word there's probably a list of them that they're better <laughs> at us but the one where like like the ones that don't don't li- commit committed faithfulness F- faithful committed okay. yeah they tend to have yeah. that characteristic um and men maybe we struggle and so there's this huge emphasis on uh, to becoming one flesh and holding fast to the wife. Then verse 32, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let no, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So even in marriage, I think you want to start seeing what a biblical man looks like or even have a test of am I a biblical man? Maybe start within marriage because there's specific guidelines given for men here. Uh, look at your household in Genesis. There's specific uh, um, there's specific things given to men there to do, and uh, and then fatherhood also. Yeah, and I think even for the young man like who's not married yet, there's ways that you can start exercising these things, right, and start growing like your your spiritual muscles and your the muscles of your character. Mm-hmm. Um, be faithful, be faithful to a job, be faithful to a church, be faithful to a youth group, uh, find something to be responsible for, whether it's a Bible study or putting out snacks on Sunday morning or, or whatever. Right. But be responsible for that thing and take it seriously. And also, uh, young men who are not married yet, they can fight passivity, right? Um, mm. don't be lazy, go, go work hard at something. 
um, be determined to make a difference in some arena of your life. And I, I mean, I think all of those can begin before marriage. And I think that um, in marriage, you see them just highlighted all the more, right? Yeah. I, I think um, as you're talking about that, I, um, that's kind of goes along with the definition of manhood, you know, no longer being a young boy growing into, you know, um, and so there is a preparation for young men to, in order to become a man. And yeah. so it, but it does start with that man in their father, their, those that have had an influence with them. So it just gives once again, the importance and the, the, uh, responsibility placed on men to help develop and prepare your sons, your daughters, your, you know, uh, in future, you know, for what yes. is to come. And so you're teaching them by your example, but how you live out your life, you know, and what, um, what is important to you, what is valuable to you. And, um, you know, as a biblical man, the Lord and teaching them the importance of working, but, um, and in that strength of working and providing, um, you are also not just focused on providing, but you are also, um, making time for them and teaching them how to love and how to, um, help develop and bring confidence into the lives of your wife or your children or, um, so that kind of goes along with what you're saying is the importance of becoming a man and passing that on and preparing your daughters so that they see what a manly man yes. looks like yeah. so that they recognize that so that that's what they desire and look to and, and allow in their lives. They, you know, helps using that to, as a measuring stick for the future man that they have in their lives. So it's important and yes. that once again puts on how the importance of a man's role in in their home or you know even if they're not married you know the workplace or you know just men in general yeah that's no, really good i want to hit one of the questions we sent them um we sent the the ladies these uh this question and there's two more that i want to make sure we had time for uh, one was, from your observations, what is the biggest blind spot for Christian men embodying biblical manhood? Mm -hmm. And, and so, be honest. <clears throat> be honest. Yeah, so I mean, as, as you've obviously, both of you have been around Christian men for a long time, and you have an idea of what being a biblical man looks like. Uh, what are some of the things you're like, man, this seems to be a blind spot. There's a lot of men neglecting this, or a lot of men think they're manly because of this, and it's just it's just not. What, what have you guys observed? Um, I think the biggest one for me is like this idea of self-reliance. Like if I'm going to be a biblical man, I'm going to, you know, muscle through it and check all these boxes that these guys are talking about biblical manhood is. And I think the biggest blind spot maybe is just relying on God and getting alone with him, whether it's in the word or prayer and letting him shape and sculpt you into whatever man you're supposed to be. No, that's good. It hurts a little. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking, Cherry? Um, well, a lot of what Callie's saying, but um, I think um, just um, feeling the need to um, be accomplish. You know, always having um, wanting to accomplish something so uh, to feel 
important or valued or, um, and so once again, I too feel like, you know, um, sometimes a personal, um, expectation or understanding of what makes them a man, um, what they feel maybe they're even what their wife would they think their wife is wanting from them whereas um, just giving their time and their focus to the Lord and allowing him to develop them as a man not trying to be someone else um, and putting um, the wrong expectation on um, who they feel they need to be but allowing God to reveal to them who he wants them to be. Yeah, it mm-hmm. sounds like you're drawing out that the one of the blind spots of men is not abandoning the secular worldview of manhood and trying to uh, uh, fuse together mm. both and try to be like, I can be both. I can be a secular manly man and a biblical manly man, and you end up compromising in both. Mm-hmm. I feel attacked right now <laughs> because you my oil find the shame story. Switch, bro. <laughs> yeah, yes, I can. The problem is I felt the unrealistic expectations yeah. of the cultural manhood. Good point. <laughs> All right. Well, I, in one of the other questions I, I'd like to be able to get to um, in this one, I only, I even felt weird writing it. Like I was like panicking a little bit. And so even in my question, um, oh, maybe I didn't. <laughs> well, what I, let me read the question and then mm-hmm. give me just a brief second to protect myself. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that you have observed or experienced that women can do to hinder or help men in this pursuit? And, and there might be nothing there, right? So, and I'm not saying it's a responsibility. <laughs> Why are by you the sweating? Way. Are you okay? <laughs> no, there's no responsibility, but just in, uh, as being brothers and sisters in, in Christ, ha- has there been anything that you've noticed even maybe within marriage where like, this has been something that has helped or hindered in this process because I'm, I'm sure in, in my marriage, I have negatively affected um, and hindered Emily um, in ways like, because I, since I do live with her, obviously I have an impact on her. And, uh, and so have you guys observed any of that? And again, just for the listeners, I'm not saying there's any responsibility <laughs> for women to help men be men. Okay. But just as brothers and sisters who love each other, have you noticed anything? Okay. <laughs> yeah, this question made me bristle. I'm not going to lie. Like I was like, <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely help. You can um, seek the Lord yourself. I think that's our biggest task as women. That's what we need to be doing is to pursue the Lord um, first and pray over our husbands. I think that's how we can help them mostly. And then I almost passed on the hinder question. Cause <laughs> you're like, it's not my responsibility. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm like, isn't that the opposite of what leadership is? Yeah. <laughs> um, also I wanted to say too, like I, the prayer and the seeking the Lord part, I want to say that with sensitivity because I know so many women who have been doing that exact same for decades That's a good point. and haven't seen the results that they were hoping for. Um, so I wanted to say that, um, but the hindering part I mean, the most obvious one is to not be in sin yourself, because I think that's where we can drag our husbands into that. Um, but ultimately, it's not our responsibility. Yeah, so. yeah, and, yeah, and we would obviously agree with yeah. that. I think more the like the illustration would be like not intentionally 
right. hindering, right? right? Not that mm-hmm. you have any responsibility or, yeah. or anything yeah, like yeah. that, but like, you know, throw in out uh, stumbling blocks on purpose or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, True. and also, I mean, part of me was hoping I would get that answer, right? Like, it's not our responsibility <laughs> because, and then here's the transition I wanted to make, and see you can stop me if I'm getting ahead of things. But uh, so as the Bible lines out, like say, I mean, w- one of the things that we that we kind of all tagged into a bit with Jesse and myself and a couple of us here, it, and, and the Webster definition of it, including sexual potency, that, okay, so sexual immorality, uh, men and women are supposed to both, be practicing um, abstaining from sex, what would be considered sexual immorality, right? And that probably defining that would be a separate uh, podcast. But so one thing, as men take this on, uh, that it's not somebody else's responsibility to make that easier on you. We don't have excuses for not being obedient to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then there trickles from there the same philosophy, the same principles, the same truths about how men act all the time we are called by the god and creator of the universe to do certain things many many nearly all of them are similar uh to that of biblical womanhood but that there are no excuses for us one of the things that that i see uh with men is this uh blaming somebody else oh right? my gosh it's, it's, that goes back to the garden yeah it was the woman i know, <laughs> I know. well thank you for bringing that oh, up sorry CJ. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and one of the other things is we're getting to just some practical things um, that one thing to remember is even as men are called to work and provide and all of those things, when we think of heaven, sometimes we think of laying around on clouds or the easy peasy life. And way back in the garden, as CJ mentioned, there was work to be done and it was given to men to do that work. And then it's kind of after that, God sees men out doing what they're supposed to do and is like, this isn't good. Like, <laughs> oh, no. He makes fish and stuff. And he's like, that's good. He makes this guy's like, that's good. He makes, he, he makes, you know, like, like everything in the skies, everything on the ground and everything he sees, he's like, that's good. And then he makes man and sends him out to do his job. He's like, that's not good. He does not need to yeah. be alone. Yeah. And then, and so there is work to be done. And and so one of the things I would challenge men, as I just observe weaknesses, um, is this idleness and laziness. Yes. And that uh, even in the garden, it says the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. There was responsibility. There was work. In Second Thessalonians, it tells, uh, tells the brothers, it says, basically, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, stay away and don't walk with those who walk in idleness and stay away from those people because it's in slothfulness. It's a sin. And we have no excuse. So if we were to step back and be and start wrapping this up, a couple of things. I'll say a couple of things that I kind of feel we identified from Scripture. And uh, and you guys just kind of think about it yourselves and work around there. Um, one thing is I see the way a husband is supposed to be in a marriage very uniquely, um, although not completely uniquely, is this sacrifice. If you want to see a godly man in a marriage, you look for sacrifice. This, this, and this love where you lay down everything for your spouse, and that is not seen as man as 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 manly. And on the other hand, also whether we like it or not, the Bible, uh, God's word in His design shows that leadership, male leadership in the house, and what that looks like is a is another podcast we absolutely need mm-hmm. to do. And Callie brought it up too, and uh, actually outside of this, Callie and I have had conversations <laughs> as well. But so. Uh, sacrificing and loving and caring. And then in that light, what does 
what does leadership look like in the house? And it all starts to make sense in that light. You know, what else, what else besides the, uh, the sacrifice kind of embodying manliness, what else? CJ, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I guess just like final thoughts would be like age doesn't make a man. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of 40, 50, 60 year old boys um, as, as we have defined what is biblical manhood mm-hmm. um, that have never achieved any sort of biblical manhood. And I think um, that on the rare occasion, there's, you know, teens and, and men in their 20s that, that have achieved biblical manhood. Um, and so I think that it's, it's kind of a trap to assume that um, because you own a car and because you've bought a house and because you have kids, um, you're a man as God sees it. And I think that until you're in submission to his word, um, until you've you know thrown yourself at the feet of Jesus and uh, relied on his grace and mercy for your salvation, like you haven't even begun to, right. be, to be a man. That's good. What are your closing thoughts, mm-hmm. Callie and Cherry? <laughs> Any encouragements, <laughs> challenges, warnings Ooh. for the men listening out there? Yeah, I think I just, my takeaway, the big takeaway from the latest podcast y'all did was... Um, just that I think you said it, CJ, we can't base like our beliefs on what society is telling us to like cultural. We have to go to the word. We have to rely on what the Bible says, what scripture says. And so that's my biggest takeaway from this is we can't allow um, our own opinions to decide what God wants for us or what God wants for biblical manhood or marriage or womanhood. We have to lay down our pride and um, just turn to Turn to the word. Yeah. Love it. Um, I just have a, I guess, just a little simple few words, and that would be for men to know the man. Ooh. And, um, wow, that's you good. Hold, you've been holding um, on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a woman of a lot of words, but um, I just feel that everything, all the answers that we need, truly is related to knowing God and who he is and trusting that and trusting him and, and allowing him to build that confidence and teach us who we need to be in him and what that looks like. And all of what we've talked about today can be accomplished, can be obtained if we just seek the Lord and believe him and uh, follow him and trust that so yeah just know the man love it yeah very good super good well i guess uh this is time to conclude this talk we like we have said before many of these conversations are uh, just very fundamental and as the seasons progress so will the depth of the conversation but we want to start uh at the level we just were today and really good talking about christian uh, biblical manliness and manhood and, and masculinity uh, next episode will include uh, what does a Christian woman look like? After that, we got things like money, dating, denominations, and religions, uh, most out of context verses and what they really mean, patriotism, Christian nationalism, do I have to go to church, apologetics, and all things like that. So we're very excited about this new uh, year. In addition to that, just a housekeeping note, we are applying for a nonprofit. So for those of you who've been asking about that, we will have that going on pretty soon too. And so we want to thank you all for the tremendous support and we're hoping for another good season. Thank you, Callie and Cherry for joining us. And with that, we will see you next time.